You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'm Luke. And I'm Sam. And this is Enemy of My Enemy. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for standing in today. Uh, Sam's been a busy boy, but we are super proud of him. I apologize for missing last week. I didn't think it was going to be that big a deal because sometimes we just take a week off, people get busy, and I'm like, you know what, it'll be fine. And my my inbox showed that was a lie if I was on Maury there. That <laughs> was... Uh, <laughs> It was and and I'm glad I am glad to have now enough viewers that it's actually a big deal with me to show. I, it really made me feel like it was bad, obviously, because I missed the show. But it made me feel really good. If I am going to miss the show, I will shoot something across the media airwaves that, hey, we had to cancel tonight, or we'll have to cancel next week, or something, because obviously people made some plans to see it. And my apologies, but it does feel good to at least be up there. Right, are going to have. Yes, it's a great problem to have. Uh, we are going to be talking about the Haitian immigrants today. Um, kind of a developing story over the last couple of weeks, and one that we actually aren't at the end of yet. Uh, because believe it or not, it takes time to deport tw- uh, 14,000 people. Uh, at the time when I would have reported this last week, it was like 10,000 people. And now it's all the way up to 14,000. And we keep flying these jets full of i think they fit like 352 at a time or something to take them back to haiti uh and we're kind of more are showing up than we are shipping out um obviously there's going to be a lot of opinions here but my job is to set this up for just some factual statements so this i heard somebody on a podcast this week and they kind of got like did George Soros bring them over kind of thing with it? And, and honestly, like I get it when, when 14,000 like immigrants show up, you're just kind of like, I, Haiti's not close. So, you know, it's not like they're floating over what what happened, you know, how, how did 14,000 people get here? And it's a decent question to ask. I think the default George Soros is, uh, it's doing my man Georgie a little too much credit. So what this does, this actually goes all the way back to 2010, where there was an earthquake in Haiti. Some people like myself are old enough to remember that. Um, anybody else filling out your GED paperwork, you're probably a little too young. But it was a it was a big event. And unfortunately, Haiti has kind of never quite recovered from it. Um I say this all the time about libertarians that pray for collapse to take a look at what collapse looks like, because a lot of times it doesn't look as pretty or as anarchist as they hope that it looks. Um, And so Haiti's a good example of this. In fact, their president, I didn't know this until I started researching the story. Maybe you two knew it. Their their president was just assassinated this year. Um, Their state department... Yeah, there's their president, uh, their State Department has issued like a don't visit here to all other nations, like, don't come here right now. It's really not good, not good here. And this has kind of been just it's slowly been on the downcline, the decline, downcline, downturn, decline since 2010 with that earthquake. What happened is they went to uh, Brazil 
And that was actually a really convenient situation because Brazil was gearing up to host the Olympics. So they actually used them for cheap and profitable labor to help build up the Rio Olympics. Um, unfortunately, when the Olympics were done, they were like, well, we kind of don't have any need of you anymore. So off you go then. Uh, of course, we'll make it legal to hire you to help with the Olympics, but we're suddenly not feeling as charitable if it's not the Olympics. This is our state thing versus this is your business thing. So then all of a sudden, some of them get dispersed. Now that number, the, one of the reasons, one of the things you're going to hear with this story is that it's gone from 140,000 people and it's going to dwindle <laughs> down to about the 14,000 that it is today at our border. This is not... This is not the story of a single group of people. This is where most of them went, and then a chunk of them go north, south. Some of them, uh, Argentina, Chile, Venezuela, and they come up through the, the triangle, of course. That's a dangerous place to be. And just over the course of centuries, they get to, like, Mexico. And one of those things that I was researching with Mexico is, like, how did so many get in there? And they usually allow two or three years for somebody seeking amnesty to get settled in. But then they got to be gone with themselves. So now, you know, as they've slowly gone from country to country trying to build a life and then having the country say no, they kind of made their way all the way up to the United States and the border here. Of course, the amnesty process is not a pretty one here. Anybody that's gone through it knows it's kind of a joke. Um, you're supposed to. Now, one of the things about amnesty, there's not a wrong way to enter the country um, with amnesty. There's not like some kind of border or check in point. You just kind of cross and you're like, hey, I am here because like I'm in trouble. One of the problems with sending them back to Haiti is you're sending them back to a country that these people haven't lived in for over a decade. And many of them built lives in Rio de Janeiro before getting kicked out. Many of them built lives in Mexico before they got kicked out. Um, many of them did end up finding lives or are living as illegal immigrants in other countries, which is why we only have 14,000 instead of 140,000. Um, that kind of ends the point where I'm able to talk about it objectively. After this, I kind of have opinions, but let's go ahead and shoot it over to Sam. And Sam, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on, on the situation. You are muted because you're a very nice guy and you didn't want to interrupt I, me. I did mute. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, it's a terrible thing. I mean, you leave a country that's going to crap and then, uh, you're, you're basically caught between all these countries who refuse to have you. Um, and it's like you go, they understand the economics of it. Like we're doing, um, we're having these Olympics. We need a lot of workers and all this stuff. So we're going to allow these people to work here. But as soon as that's over there, they decide to kick them out uh, instead of just letting them naturally, uh, you know, find jobs or whatever, and then find other places to work and whatnot as well. I think, it's it's and a really uh, sad thing with like the Democrats as well. I mean, uh, the whole, their whole thing for four years was uh, we need uh, less border control and we need to let these people in. We need to stop being so xenophobic and all this stuff. And then uh, when push comes to shove, they're just as bad as Trump, maybe even better or worse. I mean, at immigration than Trump. I mean, Democrats are trying to end uh, border restrictions the way Republicans are trying to stop spending, which is not at all. Uh, the fact that for years Democrats opposed strict immigration and the media and all of that, uh, but then they just double down shows immigration restriction is vital to the regime. Quick glance at any totalitarian government and you will see this 
uh, common theme. You got North Korea, the hermit country. You've got um, the Iron Curtain. Great. And point. of course, you got, of course, you got the Berlin Wall. And like, so I mean, they'll they'll talk about how we want to stop or we want more immigration. We're very pro-immigration. Look at these poor people. We want to help them. But when push comes to shove, they're just going to restrict it because that's what the regime needs. That's what you need to have a totalitarian government and to maintain power. Yeah. Excellent points. Great history there. Lou, and uh, some of your opinions on this one. Um, I, I, I come from this from more of a humanitarian aspect. And, you know, we talk about, um, you know, how in America, like we do have asylum and they're, they're, you know, processes for this. And part of that is when you come here seeking asylum, part of that process is like, we basically don't kick you out until you've gone through the process and been seen before a judge. And then the judge determines if you meet these specific criteria for seeking asylum. And one of those is like, you're in danger. Quite literally, I can't think of anybody in Haiti right now who is not in danger in some way. Um, it's absolutely terrifying, particularly in the capital, in Port-au-Prince, which is literally where they are flying these immigrants or migrants back to, um, is right smack in the city where everything has just gone to complete shit. Um, and the, the crime rates up there, or down there rather, are through the roof. Of course, there was this earthquake that they never recovered from really 10 years ago but there's there was another big awful earthquake just a few weeks ago and then shortly before that their president was assassinated everything there is just completely in shambles and up in the air no one really knows kind of who's in control of what right now um and so like i feel like we have a humanitarian responsibility to be allowing these people in to at least seek asylum and they're using the authority of title 42 which is basically using all of the um like it's a harmful policy that exploits um immigrants and migrants for the pandemic they're using that as an excuse or the ability to ramp up um you know, expatriating all of these people back to Haiti. And the amount of money that it's costing us is unbelievable. Um, not to mention, I mean, the optics for crying out loud, literally the day Biden is saying, I want to say it was to the UN, Geneva, somewhere, you know, about trampling on the rights of immigrants. And literally the same day, we have all these photos and video coming out of these border enforcement agents on horseback, you know, abusing these migrants. And it's just, and the administration doesn't care. They don't even care about the optics. Like that's, that's how big we have allowed their egos to get by not keeping our government in check is that they can say one thing while the complete opposite is happening in front of our faces. There's no hiding it with the media and they don't care. They're not answering for it. They're not 
trying to fix the problem or even cover it up. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Oh, that wasn't a whip. It was the reins. I don't care. They were still hitting them with a strap of leather. I don't care what you call it. Are they, is the government really going to hand these agents a physical whip? No, because that's not going to look good on paper, right? That doesn't mean that they weren't abusing these migrants. And it is terrifying to me, like I said, that they have gotten to a point where they're unapologetic. They don't even care about the optics because they know in 15 minutes we'll be mad about something else. And we can't stay focused long enough on one thing to really hold them accountable. And they've gotten so big and they're not accountable to us, the people anymore. And what they're doing is disgusting and abusive. And it's, it goes against all of the humanitarian, you know, things that are at the foundation of our original, you know, immigration and asylum policies. Um, and it's turning a blind eye to what is really happening in Haiti, but it's real convenient to use Haiti as the, oh, look, we're sending money for earthquake stuff. That doesn't matter if we're doing this to people trying to get out. So. I mean, just it look kinda, at the, go ahead, Sam. It kind of reminds me of uh, like more on an individual level, because level, we kind of think of this as like um, like numbers a lot of times. But like, uh, I know an in immigration lawyer, he put a photo up of a rug and that what was a rug he got for um, basically working hard to get asylum for this one guy. He barely got it and it saved his life because he knew if he had gone back, he would have died. And a lot of these people are just going back to their deaths or we're, we're not allowing them in. I mean, they're risking everything. They're crossing a river with like all of their belongings and living under a bridge and we're going to fly them to a, a different country they haven't been to in 10 years or, you know, like it's just, it, it's disturbing and like you said inhumane i i don't i don't understand it it's very nationalist i, th I think the issue is because you're you're saying well where were you technically born and i don't damn the last 11 years 12 years however long it's been to just say yeah we're going to send you back here because this is where we have you know this is where you said you were like originally born and it's well, just so it's so strange sorry go ahead sam well, it's because they can't send them back to, yeah, you're right. It's They can't send them back to their original, to the country they came from, because the country they came from has the same same laws where they're like, no, you, you weren't from this country, so you got to go somewhere else. Yeah, it's, it, 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 and there's a lot of goofball policies here. So one of the ways that I wanted to look at this was we have, we currently, and I didn't know this, my my gal is brilliant. She looks at stuff all day. And a lot of the ideas I have is just regurgitating what she says, but thankfully she's camera shy. So I get to be famous instead of her. Um, <laughs> super famous, by the way. I do that with um, yeah. all the time. Like right. what yes. I see, I stole from him. But she, <laughs> well, I, she I, does. Uh, we do see her on camera every once in a while. She'll walk by. That's true. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Not too camera shy to wear yoga pants in front of the camera. She knows what she's doing. Everything. She's a master. This um, but she, so she was watching this video, and and I looked it up. I couldn't believe it. I guess we have international um, carriers that that transport supplies, and we are holding up the international supply route because they get to America, and we don't have enough people to unsupply the 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 crates that are here. 
Now, this is like the definition of like when people talk about unskilled labor, which, by the way, I hate as a term, because if you don't think physical prowess and work is a skill, I don't know what to do with you. I mean, there's sports are sports for a reason, like whatever. But it is one of those. It's like if you're going to say, well, these people maybe don't speak English, you know, maybe, you know, can't be somebody's server at a restaurant or something like that. And the number that we're talking about here, so the U.S. shortage economists argue, obviously, about exactly how much it is, but it's somewhere between 14.5 million and 16.5 million jobs that we don't have people for, that we need filled. And when you have 14,000 people that show up, and the majority of these jobs, by the way, are classified as the unskilled labor jobs. Again, I detest the term, but I'm going to use it because that's just the conversation. Uh but this is like, oh my goodness, match made in heaven. And yet government will take something like, oh my gosh, match made in heaven and send it back. I mean, we're doing even worse than Brazil in this regard. And I don't really love the fact that Brazil was like, oh yeah, come on in and help us build. Now get the frick out of here now that you're done. But like, I mean, at least they were opportunistic enough to say, yeah, bring them in and use them and then spit them out. I don't, again reprehensible policy right but at least they have the brains to be like we can use these people we don't even do that we're just like oh we're short these jobs we have these carriers we're holding people up we're i mean the lawsuits now are going to mount up into the billions of dollars because we're holding up international supplies from other countries that can't get them while they're holding these carriers in our ports because we're not unloading these supplies right and it's not just that i mean obviously that the labor shortage has been something of note for a while now but this the specifically the the carriers in our ports are, are are something that I saw and I was just like oh my goodness match made in heaven right like hey guys can can you help me unload this real quick like because so that I don't get sued for billions of dollars oh yes please do okay do that and so it's funny that Brazil was able to do this and even Mexico was like hey we'll take you for three years and then you got to find somewhere else we just have this this nutty policy and and America is very unique in this regard with border control. Because we actually try to make it like we're still one of those countries that clings on to like this wall idea, whereas most of the time, you know, border control is like, well, you're not going to be able to vote. A lot of times you don't get like constitutional or parliamentary rights in other countries if you're not a citizen. Like there's dangers with not being a citizen in every country. But we're one of the few that's like maybe we can get some people on horseback to catch to to. To, 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 to catch you like I mean it's just it, it's very silly for like a modern world to do it like this to kind of try and revive like the Great Wall of China strategy in like the modern era and it, it is it's very silly and the real sad part is if they found a way to come around I've been to uh, Seattle a number of times and I had some friends who lived in Canada and we went back and forth and the border is no, I mean, nothing. It's a welcome to Canada sign. There's not even like a checkpoint where it's like somebody like checks my stuff to make sure I'm not looking at anything. Like it, it's like going from Colorado to Wyoming and you get this like, welcome to Wyoming. You're like, yeah, okay. Hey, you're in Canada now. Hey, you're in America now. And so there, there's something to be said for the fact that we, we let people cross over the Canadian border without really giving, you know, two shakes of a lamb's tail about it. And yet here we are Kind of, kind of going crazy on the Haitians as they come come up from the southern border, and I'm just like, oh, that's too bad. You guys picked the wrong border. If they found a way to around the other side, like nobody would be paying attention. I don't um, think it has anything to do with location. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I wanted to like 
uh, I wanted to say it without saying it, but I guess Lou, you're just going to say it. But yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's racist it's, as hell. It's it's but way racist. I mean, the it's just native people <laughs> like Canada, predominantly white, speak English. They don't bat an eye. People coming up from Mexico, Hispanic, who are darker skinned, but you know, somewhere in the middle, right? Like there's a different level for how they're treated and, and detained and things like that. But if you're Haitian, you are probably black or very dark skinned and you are rounded up on horseback. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the horseback thing is a lot of optics. And I understand like the one picture was a great photo opportunity because it looked like a lasso or whip or something was at play. Now, one of the funny things is in that same story, they did talk about how the Border Patrol actually did have lassos and whips. Like it's referenced in, in the story. It's just not in use in that picture. Now, I don't know if that, it, and, and according to the Border Patrol agents since the picture, they've never used the lassos and whips. But what is it for, right? Like, it's like, okay, maybe you didn't, but you have it, right? Like, that's part right. of this story is that you still possess them. And maybe it's not done there. And maybe, I mean, heck, maybe it's because you saw the camera guy or something like that. Um, it yes. could be just that they have a horse, too. I mean, their horse whips and stuff are a thing. I don't know about lasso, but yeah. Yeah, man. Either way, like, I think Either it's way, the, yeah. Like, is it optics? Yes, but this is the thing about optics. It shows something that needs to be seen. What you see is this person on horseback yelling, grabbing somebody who's got water bags and clothes in their in their hands, trying to come across and make a life here. And it's a perfect picture for the summary of what's happening, right? Like, if this person, like, I guarantee you, people aren't going to be upset about this picture if the person that the the agent is chasing down is like a serial rapist or a pedophile, right? Like, I mean, we're not all of a sudden going to get an uproar. It's the fact that it's an immigrant that wants to come make a life here. It's kind of hard to debate that even based on the history, right? Because they're just trying to find a life somewhere. Like this is kind of the definition of the, like we can map out their history of where they've been. And this is, and I hate collectivizing people. So even when I called this episode like the Haitian immigrant episode, I'm just like, Ugh. like, oh, let them all in. But like at the same, like if we must collectivize and look at their journey, specifically the Haitian immigrants, like their experience is just trying to find a place to live and work and grow up and be. And I just think that they are, it's really too bad that it's come to this. Um, that, that we just have th this policy in place and we've done it because of all immigrants. Sam, you talked about this a little bit, but it needs to be mentioned. It's not maybe Joe Biden is doing it worse than Trump. He is. And the fact that he created another facility, the old facility got worse and you're not allowed to bring cameras in either facility now that it's kind of one of those that you just say, wow, what, what, what happened? I mean, I knew he wasn't an open borders guy, right? Like nobody, right, right. I mean, unless you were kind of loony for Joe Biden, you never he, fooled yourself into thinking he, he, he did get a him. lot of votes because people thought he would be better on immigration. Sure. Like they, 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 rec they recognized he wouldn't be as good as Bernie. They thought Bernie Sanders would be good on immigration. I think he would have been awful as well. He's, awful. he's yeah. one of the few, he's one of the, he's one of the ice supporters even. Sorry, go ahead, Lou. 
I was going to say, like, the most important thing, though, is that there's no mean tweets, guys. And I think we really, <laughs> we really need to recognize what a blessing that is and that, you know, the abuse happening at the borders is just the price we pay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I, some, I suppose, are good people. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, 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 I seriously. <laughs> I mean, I do not want to like like. Here's the thing: anybody wishing Trump was back in office kind of needs a wake up check. Here's the thing: like, <laughs> Joe Biden has lied on some very big and significant promises, but I mean, he could lie every three times a day for the rest of his presidency and not border on what Trump did just with his Twitter account alone. I mean, it's right. Like Trump had other issues. Like, I mean, they were mean tweets, but they were also like fictitious tweets and if you acted on that fictitious information you had a poor view of reality and possibly hurt somebody so oh, absolutely. I, I absolutely have problems with, with with trump but your point is well taken lou a lot of people just wanted the meanness to stop but right. is it worse to be mean to somebody and trump was mean to people like it is not cool to make fun of somebody with a disability or a speech impediment like he did awful stuff or even just being a woman right like awful stuff as far as being mean but it is functionally worse to treat immigrants this way agreed 100%. and that's and that's and that's the point you're getting at lou i'm just kind of stating yeah. it out there i don't want anybody getting the idea that like oh all trump was was mean tweets and those were the good old days right <laughs> well, a lot of people including me expected with biden like, I didn't expect anything necessarily better. I just expected calmer. I kind of was hoping for an Obama-esque administration where just yep. not a lot yes. happened. There were a couple of topics of conversation that got not, heated, like healthcare and, you know. Not vending. a lot was talked about. Right. But, like, yeah. it was mostly a very calm, by comparison, very calm, do nothing sort of presidency cycle. And, and it was nice. And I think after Trump, so many of us were so stressed on all sides, right? That we kind of expected this very even keel. Uncle Joe is basically in the dementia ward. It's going to be real chill for a while because they just have to maintain a stasis. Yes. And what I didn't understand was that they were actually going to let him do things. And that's where this went wrong. <laughs> very, very wrong. No, yeah. I, I don't think Biden ever really was in charge of anything. I think, I mean, he's he's basically a puppet. I mean, I, I think all presidents are basically I don't know. puppets. The way he's been in the or well, been in Congress and, and all for a bil billion years, he's been the puppet master for a long time. And that's I think part he's of had the, connections for a long time. I mean, you know, that that to oh, yeah. me is part of the problem. I think, you know, we all expected just some calmness, not necessarily good, just quiet. Mm -hmm. And you know, the only the only reason. I can say that Biden hasn't lied as much as Trump is because he hasn't spoken yes. as much as Trump or <laughs> any other president for that matter. But he's right up there with Carter, like he, second he term is. insanity. As, as far as like exposure, like lie per ex time exposed, he probably is up there with Trump. Like it's, oh. I, I remember he did like one appearance <laughs> on CNN and even CNN was like, dude, 
our fact checkers <laughs> need it. Like they need to type, they need a good night's sleep, and then they need to come back and get back to typing. Like it's, it's, he's created a nightmare. And, and it was, and that was one of like his early, like still kind of the honeymoon phase in right. CNN. And I was just like, I remember that was like, it was like a week or two into the presidency. And I was like, you know, a, a lot of people talked about the handler because of course he had his Biden moments, uh, you know, where he's kind of like fading out a little bit and maybe, <laughs> didn't, maybe lied because he didn't quite understand what he was saying or something. And so I was like, is this, and the honeymoon phase ended very quickly after that. I mean, it was, yeah. uh, I agree with you, Lou. I thought this was going to be very, uh, I expected the, the, the guy from, you know, Delaware to show up. Like I just, I, I expected the boring Senator Joe Biden to show up. And what I got was way too much excitement. <laughs> I mean, this I, is the guy who promised the least amount of spending among all the Democrats, right? The least, and what we got was somebody who in, I mean, within six months, here's a $1 trillion bill. Here's a $3.5 trillion bill. Here's this $3.5 trillion bill that he's asking for right now would exceed the expend, the spending that he promised for his entire presidency on just the infrastructure bill, on everything, on everything. I mean, this was a guy who made you say as a Republican where you're like, you know what? I could see crossing the aisle here because Trump is nuts. I thought Trump would, I thought Biden would be better. I, I, and I know serves you right. I'm not, obviously I'm not, I knew they, he wasn't good. I didn't vote for him. Right. Like I, so, <laughs> right. any of that, but I thought Trump's bar, I was just like, Oh, that was so pathetically low. Like there's no way you can stumble over that. But I mean, he stumbled and he's face down in the dirt right now. And I mean, I think this, the, one of the reasons I even had to correct you is because like, we're, like wondering where Trump was, I have a family member who voted for Biden and like talked about wishing that Trump was back. And I was just like, ah, like, hang on real quick though. But like <laughs> to even get that bad for them, because this person loathed Trump very much, like really puts in perspective how poorly he has done on every issue. I mean, there's just nothing right. You can even care about something like vaccines or COVID or something, but just absolutely nothing right. And this thing with the immigrants is just another misstep and a line of missteps with him. And I, I am really just wondering if he is going to be able to calm it down. It looks like he's going to lose his majority soon, which is fantastic. And and normally those create some calm years for presidents. I know the, the best of the Clinton years when it's like, oh, I can't do anything. Okay. I can't do anything. The Obama, the Obama years that we remember. Oh, you lost the majority. Can't do anything. Okay. I guess I won't do anything then. Okay. And those are like the calmest years we have of the presidency, you know, still bad. Like Sam kind of started to say it earlier. Obama had some bad scandals, but they were very blue collar. They were very, they were right. very, they were very professional scandals, I guess is what I'll say. They were very the like, Oh, this, uh, a few million dollars went to this phantom district in this bill, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, and people, the stuff that people expect from politicians, you know, right. whereas I think this was not expected of Joe Biden to say, you thought of him of at least, even if he was incompetent, even if he was a politician, even if you hated him, that he would have cared about dilapidated conditions at the border. You would have thought he would have just made that a priority right away to just be like, yeah, we're not treating people that bad anymore. That ends. None of that. Yeah. Oh, Legend of Hans. Oh, yeah. Talks about the IRS during the Obama. Yeah. 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 That's another blue collar one where it's like, didn't, yeah. Didn't Obama deport more people than Trump? Wasn't that his statistic uh, for the longest time? Oh, yeah. I know Trump more, he did more people than Bush before him. 
I mean, and this is so Sam, I'll turn this over to you in a second because I think oh, yeah. this relates to your opening statement. I wanted to get back to it. Um, <laughs> a lot of people mistakenly think like, oh, so open borders is what they'll do to let all the Democrat voters in and then they'll vote Democrat and then we'll win that way. Okay, so this is hilarious. I heard this again on a podcast this week that I was listening to and the person talked about how, true story, that like to change an election, they got real lax on the border uh, to let some, to, to let these people in, to let certain people in. But then they like got really crazy about the border on people that were, that, you know, we're kind of like the working class wanted to, you know, what, what, and so they let a certain functional group of people across the border and then kept the others out. And so I'm like, this is, <laughs> here's what gets me about this with border control. Then if you believe in the story and the facts on it are a little sketch, but I mean, it, it's, it appears to have happened at least again, with with the complicated Im immigration system i can't say for sure some people wait for two months some people wait for 16 years doing it the quote unquote right way i mean we just we don't know i don't know what your right. spot is in the queue right like i have no idea but so what they do is they let some people in that vote one way but they exercise their vote vo their border control policies on the people that would have perhaps made change that libertarians or even Republicans or whatever might have enjoyed on the system. So it strikes me as strange to make this argument then that the people who want to consolidate that democratic power should be in control of the borders. Because once again, you're letting the, the, what the people they let in are the people that grow government. That's the people the government wants to let in. The people they keep out are the people that have had bad experiences with government, that they want to say, no, you would likely, if as a voter, vote for less government. Oh, you're self-sufficient? You don't want a handout? No, you need to stay out. I don't like that very much because you would not be a good person for our power, right? And so like, it, it is, I mean, the fact that we even have historical examples of this, of people using border control to consolidate their own power because they keep out the people that would change things. As libertarians, we want change. This is one of the big reasons why I spoke open borders. It's a very it's a very, I think, cut and dry kind of situation. If the people that you dislike control the borders, then they let the people they like in and keep the people that I like out. And this is how it has worked. This is how it has worked in history. And this is how it works now. I just think people are kind of in denial about it because they just want to dismiss the entire group as a bunch of future Democrat voters, which is utter nonsense. I mean, especially as a libertarian, we gobble them up. You go through the immigration service and you and you know experience. And we want to talk about government. Come on, come on, let's have it. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, it's very true. Um, it, it does happen where immigrants will um, vote for more Democrats, but it's also been the exact opposite. So, like in California, um, a lot of immigrants would they polled would vote for Democrats, but in Texas, they would vote for Republicans. And a lot of it just has to do with like policy and what you're pushing. And it's it's pretty clear if you're a Republican and you're pushing anti-immigration and not supporting immigrants, like obviously they're not going to be the ones voting for you. But it, it doesn't have anything. It doesn't correlate that they would have the same opinions on, say, gun rights or like freedom of uh, government and all of the other issues. So, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense to just say. And like you were saying, like, why would you want more border control if they're using it to just let in the people they want? So, 
That's my thought. Oh no, did we lose Hody again? I think he froze up. The other dumb thing is people thinking that they're going to use up all the welfare and stuff like that. And it's, you can pretty much just dismiss all of that by looking at the fact that 44% of uh, Fortune 500 companies were created by um, immigrants or first or second generation immigrants. So like that alone takes care of like any economic argument of them just sucking everything up. Not only that, but like the vast majority of welfare that citizens have access to immigrants never do legal or illegal um, that they just don't, they don't have access to it. And there have been countless studies done from all different sides, different think tanks from the government itself that have proven that, you know, any of these, the vast majority of welfare fraud committed mm -hmm. in this country is committed by citizens, number yeah. one, and white yeah. citizens. Yeah. So, like the vast majority, you know, so the idea that, oh, they're going to take up all this welfare and they're going to cost all this money. And, you know, that's just not true. It's just right. Not. And it's, it's always just such a throwaway statement. It's like, well, we can't have immigration plus all of our welfare. Like they're just coming because they're attracted to our welfare. And it's like they're they're not. For one thing, yeah, they can't use it a lot of times. And even when they do, they don't use as much. Um, compared to natives, natives use more welfare per capita than immigrants do. I mean, mm -hmm. especially if you take an adult immigrant that comes over that can already work and isn't like going to school for $15,000 a year, like they're going to use less and they're going to just, uh, from the get-go start contributing to the economy. Um, and as long as we're not spending more than we should be spending on, if, if we're spending more putting out more in in terms of welfare spending than we're receiving which of course we always are then of course they're always going to be a net negative for immigrants but also for natives and natives are the ones who are using most more of it as well as the fact that you know when when immigrants are working over the table right and they're actually getting a paycheck they are paying into social security and medicaid and medicare like all, all that Stuff. They pay in, but they don't get those benefits. They don't get Social Security when they retire. They don't get all of those things. So, and I don't remember what the number is, but it's For illegals, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like $60 million. Yeah. Even, even if they're legal, like you have to become a citizen. Oh. Not just a green card holder or here on a work visa and nothing like that. You actually have to be a citizen. Um, well, I've heard too that uh, a lot of them just make up social security numbers. So the social, because immigration can't talk to the social security because they're two different, they can't talk to each other. Uh, so social security just keeps all of that because they just make, they just make up numbers to give in for that way they can have a job and whatnot. That's actually, that was uh, proven to be incorrect because as part yeah. of the studies that show that, it's the white citizens who are scamming the welfare system. It was oftentimes based on scamming through social security numbers. Okay. It's a, uh, you know, I, no, I, I, think I heard they like just made them made up the numbers though. Like they weren't scamming it. They're just putting money in. That's probably I mean, a, and, and I have known a friend, like I had a friend who did that, who yeah. had a fake card with a fake number and everything like oh. that. That being said, was that person a net, like a net burden on the society, especially when compared to me, 
I think in this case, this was not an net burden on society. He was an unofficial assistant kitchen manager that we had to pay off the record because we knew he was undocumented. We knew the social security number. If As soon as we gave him a salary, that was going to come up, you know. But, I mean, he was definitely a net positive as far as working and what he was putting into society compared to what he was getting out of it. Um, there is a Soho debate, and Sam, you mentioned this in the chat earlier, and I think that this is very important for other people to understand. The welfare debate is not, like, the immigrants taking welfare debate really isn't a debate. And so if you are going to, like, like there are people who believe in closed borders, legitimately, who believe, or re at least heavily regulated borders, we'll say. Um, libertarians or not, whatever, that's fine. But they've, even they have dropped the welfare argument. It's not there. They, yep. it, they know it's a losing argument in the Soho debates. They kind of just said, you know what, this is a push. We're not like, this isn't part of my thing. And it hasn't been, I've been on the speech and debate circuit before. It wasn't true. Then you would get blown off the stage with facts. I assume that it, it, unless anything, unless things have drastically changed in the last 20 years, which I'm sure things have changed a little bit, but it is probably very similar now. That still really isn't one more of, of a social media debate than, than exactly. It comes up a lot as long as you're not an economist. Like, I, economists won't say it, but like other libertarians will say that. Like, it, it's, I it's, have it's, heard it. Yeah. yeah. It'll, they'll just be like, yeah, you can't have welfare and um, immigration. And they'll just go on to the next thing. I'm like, you can't just leave it there. Right. <laughs> Push it back is, a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I, I strongly recommend uh, this book called uh, Keynes v. Hayek. Um, it's a it's an incredible book that kind of talks about how we got our economy to where it is today, uh, based on some debates. Because uh, our current economy, based on the national income identities equations, is all very new. It is all. Uh, you know, it is all post-Nazi. Everybody ended up adopting the Nazis' economics. The Nazis actually got it from Keynes directly. Um, and so this is, people talk about the cultural fascism. Um, there's 14, the 14 points of cultural fascism, which is a great point. There's also a whole book about what economic fascism is. And a lot of people like to turn their heads at one or another, but you kind of got to embrace it all because that's what makes it fascism. That combination of, the culture and the economy winding up to be as dangerous as it is. Cause if you just have a bad culture, but no economics, you're not very dangerous. If you have, you know, the economics, but no culture, you get very big, but at least, you know, you, at least culturally you are, um, you know, you care about life and whatnot like that. It's the combination of those two that really made the Nazis, the Nazis that you know them for. Um, and one of these, one of the huge impacts with, I mean, it started pre-World War One. We were talking like Mises and Hayek make, and talk, making discussions. And that gets into, hey, if you're going to do this for your economy, you have to add closed borders. And that was actually what converted Hayek from socialism to capitalism, for those who are wondering, was the issue of borders because he would have had to control them in order to keep a welfare state. He realized he couldn't do it. Um, Hayek is really cool as far as capitalist economics. I'm aware there are other capitalists who have uh, a lot of Nazism. Um, I don't want to say, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll give them some forgiveness, but I'll say they have Keynesian leanings because that's the nice way of saying the guy who designed the Nazis economic system is what you're talking about. And uh, unfortunately, it's just, it's authoritarian and it's bad. 
Um, the tyranny is bad. The the border control is really kind of it plays right into the government's hands when you say they should control it. It just does. It's fine to believe in private borders, sure, but they're they're really like I said, at least on the at least on the welfare front and the economic front, there is no argument for closing the borders. If you're having it, you need to do like when I talk about do your own research. I mean, you need to like literally put together your own research because the existing research is not on your side. So you need to do your own research and make up a side because you're not, you're going to find some things that try to convince you otherwise, but any economist, one economics, one one student would look at it and be like, Oh <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You you've, you've messed up a hundred things in order to arrive here. Uh, any last thoughts specifically? I, I know we got into economics and we got into Joe Biden sucking, which of course I could talk about forever. It's a delightful <laughs> conversation, but uh, I'll, I'll go, let's go around the horn here. Any last thoughts as far as the Haitian immigrants? Go ahead, Lou. Um, you know, it's something we talk about a lot on this show is in anything we discuss taking into account the other person's experience. I don't want to have to feel what these people feel ever in my life, which tells me the right thing to do, regardless of your policy or this or that, the right thing to do is open our arms and our hearts and give these people a fresh start and a new place to call home. And we clearly have an economy that needs the help we, you know, there's no reason not to embrace new people. Yeah. Sam, final thoughts on this. Uh, just whenever you're looking at immigration, make sure you're comparing immigrants to native born children. So like if you're saying that you're looking at uh, and something to do with immigration negatively, you're like, oh my gosh, look at how much money they're sucking up. Well, you have to compare that, you know, it's always compared to what? So you have to compare that to someone who was born in America. So like there's two ways to enter America. Basically, you're either born or you, you know, you cross over a line. Um, so just make sure you're always comparing those two. And I think you'll find that uh, immigrants bring a lot, uh, especially compared to natives, which we also love. We love kids and all that. So um, if you're like, uh, maybe we shouldn't have so many kids, there's we're sucking up all our jobs. It's like, well, that's kind of insanity, you know, <laughs> so like. Just if you just constantly compare those two things, you'll arrive at, I think, a better conclusion. Awesome. Uh, Lou, you kind of took my thoughts right out of my brain into your mouth because this is what I wanted to end on. If it were me, I would do it. I would go seek the better opportunity. If it was my dad, I would hope he did it. If it was my mom, I hope she would do it. If it was my sister or brother or daughter or son, I would hope they would do it, right? Like, so if it's me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go seek that better opportunity. And so I see so much of what could have been me in their eyes. And so when I see these photos and yes, there is, yeah, it looks awful, right? But it is awful. Not because it's, is it a whip or a lasso or how he grabbed him or was he on horseback? But the look in their eyes is what makes it so awful. This is an innocent person seeking a better life. And it is easily possible for our government to, I mean, our government doesn't need to do anything. They can get out of the freaking way and we would put these people to use because we, there are companies that are, like I said, are 
buried in lawsuits that are losing businesses because we don't have enough unskilled laborers in the market. This is their chance. They would gobble them up, but our government says no and sends them back. That is awful. That is That works against free market principles. Even if you believe in the government, like I said, I don't demand everybody. I say this a lot. I don't demand everybody be an anarchist, but you need to correct your government when it does something this terrible. And this specific, I mean, you are flying them back. You are spending money. You are spending taxpayer money to send them back 352 at a time on these plane rides back to a country that they haven't lived in in over 11 years. It is ridiculous, but the government is fine with spending money on that and fine with spending money paying the billions of dollars in lawsuits for having our international trade backed up, but not okay with spending the money if they want to put their kids in school and their kid wants to eat a school lunch. That might take too much money. That is, like I said, uh, between the economics and the social issues, I love talking about immigration because it touches on both. And uh, this is just a great example of both. Everybody hang tight because in just a second, we are actually going to talk about a piece of our mind. We're going to give you a piece of our mind and there's a lot on our minds. So please just hang tight. We'll be back in just a minute. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you so much for hanging through the break. Peace of my mind. Boy, um... For us missing a week of news, it was a little bit slow. And Thanks so I, I was like, man, like there was more infrastructure bill, but that's kind of been going on for a while. Um, I did want to talk about the infrastructure bill and knowing full well that we'll probably have a whole show about this, but I just want to talk about it in an overview. For those who haven't seen the thick, did either of you happen to see the thickness of the bill? Like when the politicians brought it forward, yeah. like with the three point like like the three point five trillion dollar like bow around it, and they brought it in. It's one of those where you like wonder, even if you're in good shape, if you would be able to carry it, right? Like it is so thick. Um, I usually challenge myself to read these kinds of things when they're too long. I take it as a challenge, and I'm like, I'll bet I can get through this. You know, so like when Trump was under investigated and they had the, the you know, the Miller documents and, all, and I was like, I'm reading all this. I'm going to I'm, I'm accepting the challenge. I'm reading all this. The Are ACA you was yourself. The ACA was ridiculously long, but I was like, I'll bet I can read through all this. Now, here's the other thing. They also write with like really big print. And sometimes like a like one page will have like a lot of tabs and you're just like, OK, so I got through that page in a couple of seconds. Right. Like so you can fly through this. There is no human way I am going to get through the infrastructure bill. And that bums me out because I, I what I liked about the ACA it was it was it was way too long, but it was long enough. It was short enough that I could get through it and be like, ah, this bill, there it sends this amount of money over here. And this this money is that guy's cousin who's waffling on the bill right now. Interesting. OK, you know, you can find that kind of thing when you have a bill this thick. I just. I, you could bury anything in it. You could bury anything in it. I mean, literally anything in it. And I am never going to catch it. I mean, you're just, I, I am not going to read it. No one is going to read it. I'll just say that. No one is going to read this. I don't believe a single person on planet Earth is going to read this. I think a computer might be able to scan through it real quick. But I don't believe one single person on the planet Earth is going to be able to read it all. It is like, I mean, if you've been through Atlas Shrugged, great job. This thing is like, 
like 500 Atlas shrugs glued together. I mean, it is just the thickest, grossest document. And here, and here's the thing. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about it now and not save it for when we actually talk about the infrastructure is because my issue is that it is done this way so that I will have no idea, so that I will never know what is what exactly is in this. Oh, they're going to use the money that's allocated in the bill. And they're going to abuse the powers that seem to get into that bill. But I mean, somebody just turned it open. They're like, oh, random page, 72. Oh, apparently it, it creates a new agency that manufactures how far people drive and decides if that, that should be taxable or not. It's very, it's very, will it be, won't it be? Kind of like the IRS monitoring the $600 PayPal accounts, you know? Will they or won't they tax it? It's just for them to look at, you know? But it's one of those where you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So this is just random page 72 out of 100 quadrillion pages. And I found something like this. How many of those infractions are in this thing? I mean, tons, right? Tons, there's going to be tons. We're going to find out about tons. It, I felt like at least with the American, with the Affordable Care Act, I felt like at least I could be like, oh yeah, that's right. That abuse was in this bill. Everything on the infrastructure bill is going to be completely different because we're all just going to be like, was it? Oh, okay. I guess it was. Look at that. I guess it was. I don't know if the thing is going to pass. We'll see. If it does, we are going to be finding out about this bill for the rest of our lives because some institution will be created, some amount of money will be allocated about it that you and I will have never heard of because I can be as diligent as I'll get out, but I cannot read it. No one in their right mind can. Uh, Lou, any thoughts on the infrastructure bill so far? Oh, okay. I have like 17 and I'm trying to keep them all. We got plenty of time. Okay. Do so, them all. Okay, first... I have to just point out, it wasn't all that long ago when we did an episode with a 13-page bill to which you were critical of its shortness. And I, I guess, said, true. And I said, careful what you ask for. <laughs> I believe I said it was written in crayon, right? I, I remember this. Yes. <laughs> I just had to. I just had to throw that out. No, there. you're right, and I stand by that because, from a legal standpoint, you think it thinks it takes like 13 pages just to say, just to make it legal with all the different intricacies no, and laws that we have. But it shouldn't. Uh, you are fair to call me out, though. I actually thought of that this week. <laughs> like, I bet it crossed your mind when you saw the look on my face as you were talking about, like, oh, am I going to get away with this? No, I'm not. Somewhere <laughs> between 13 and 800 billion pages is the magic number that right, right. Somewhere, but I bet you it's closer to 13. And he'll complain about it no matter what. Yes, you are correct. Go ahead. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> I got so one of the <laughs> one of the things, and just like you mentioned, you know, I, for the rest of our lives, we're going to be finding out shit in this bill, and they're going to be doing all these crooked things. People are going to throw their hands up and go, "Oh my god, this isn't right!" And then we'll find out, like, "Oh, actually, yeah, it got passed." Because you know, as Pelosi says, you never know what's in it until it's passed. <laughs> so I fully like. I wouldn't be surprised if this passed at this point because they're so complacent; they don't even care. They're like, "Oh." You got something for your cronies in it, and I got something for my cronies in it. Cool, cool. Like, it just, it doesn't even surprise me anymore. And 
just this is my problem with very long bills. I would love, love, love to see a think tank, the Cato Institute, somebody break this out and do a deep dive into it and then, you know, write it in crayon for the rest of us. <laughs> it would right? still be too long. Yeah. Take, right. But to take, you know, each section, like you said, on this page, you found this one thing and like, can we break it out in, you know, I don't know, in a way that we can at least access it, even as highlights. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Joe Bishop Henchman did this with the recent tax bill. Yes, was exactly. like, yeah. God, I love him for that. Yeah, really. that, was, that was good stuff. Yeah. Um, but even I wouldn't ask him to do that for this bill. <laughs> Like, it, that's just painful. And, you know, anybody who does, I commend you or, gonna. or I pray for you. I don't know, like, what I should do here. Like, it's just, it's uh, wild. And zero that, people are gonna. You have Hody's stamp on that. <laughs> and anybody who says just they wait. have. Just wait. Next week, we're going to come back and Brian is going to be like, well, I read the whole bill. And we're going to be like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like every week. I swear. Hopefully. I will. It's I always- got it. No, it's, I, I will challenge somebody to like a Mari challenge. Like I'll stand up and I'll look like, I'll make you do the lie detector test. And I'll just sit there all crossing my arms, being like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. He <laughs> says he read that bill. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and when they say prove that was a lie, I will do the crazy stance on that stage. There's oh, no, no human being on earth. No human being. Nope. <laughs> Huh? Like, okay. So I, I love my man, Harry here. Harry, thank you for watching. I appreciate it, by the way. Uh, making some great jokes about how he's waiting for the Atlas Shrugged anime to come out. Uh, <laughs> for those who aren't watching the video version of this, uh, with my length of Atlas Shrug comment, I, I loved it. Uh, talk about just reading 100 pages a week. You'd be dead. You'd be dead before you got through it, and I'm not even kidding. I you mean, know I what just, the page count is? I. You know what? I... <clears throat> we need to know this. Sam, I need, I need your stuff. thoughts on this, and I will look this up while you go. I'm not sure they know, but go ahead. Uh, uh, my, give me your my thoughts. thoughts are, my thoughts are pretty simple. It's just a giant uh, pork bill. Uh, it obviously took a lot of collaboration from a lot of industries and a lot of uh, special interests. Um, it's nice to see everyone can work together in that way. <laughs> just kidding. Um, my favorite part of uh, Hody's, uh, what Hody said was his uh, catchphrase. I always love every time I hear it, which is that bums me out. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I do get bummed. That that really bums me out. (laughs) Talk about the government does get me bummed. Dude. But yeah, I I mean, manager called me on saying that a lot. Apparently, that's just my catchphrase. (laughs) Getting bummed out. But yeah, I mean, it's just impressive that, um, you know, like, you know, I don't even know like the 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 web that gets weaved of you know how they even coordinate everything. It's just like, yeah, I need this paper submitted, I need this paper submitted, and they're like, just yeah, we're gonna stamp all of this, and like someone had to, some group of people had to go read through and be like, oh, let's make sure these aren't in conflict with each other or something like that. I imagine, or maybe oh, there's a lot of them that are in conflict with each other. That's not a rare thing actually either, um, and probably a lot of general language that just gives people the right to do whatever they want. So do you hear uh Biden mentioned that it was going to pay for itself. Net cost is zero. Oh my God. He's so stupid. Like we've heard that before and it's always been a lie, right? Like the ACA will pay for itself. And, you know, the, these, these, you know, uh, the bailout packages, right. will always pay for themselves. They never do. 
but we always hear that they will. And then this one, the biggest of all time, and it's like, oh, cost of zero. Easy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're going to tax enough PayPal accounts to get there, Mr. Biden. I'm, I'm it sorry. can't be a cost of zero because just the price to print this thing alone is like a penny tax on the whole nation. Let's be honest. <laughs> so there's a measure on the, so there's the $3.5 trillion version. And then there's the one point, there's the $1 trillion version. Um, and I have like, there's some that are talking about the length of the $1 trillion bill, which is significantly shorter, but I don't, even they have not measured the length of that bill. Hmm. So if somebody finds that out and would like to message me, I would love I to have it. that number. How tall uh, is it? It's I. Uh, is there a is picture? There a like I'm so. You, you know what? I will find. <laughs> I, I will find a picture to link in the. I'll chat just keep asking everybody. questions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I was really unprepared going into the episode. I had no idea. You were like, just very uh, inquisitive tonight. I, I just wanted to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I know that it's like a Republican holding it, and so like I, I'm gonna be troubled to find any pictures of it in the media thanks google oh, appreciate yeah. that but yeah I, I will find that picture and i will link it uh appreciate you all for your thoughts on my thoughts uh let's let, let's head to lou lou i would like to get a piece of your mind about something hit me okay um hmm. well, i had two things i was kind of bouncing back and forth between so like, and you touched on one about the IRS sort of like peeking in on our bank accounts, right? Um, and I like, that bothers me to no end. Um, I am not a taxpayer by default. I work in cash <laughs> mostly. Um, and then when I need to pay certain bills over you know, by credit card, online, whatever, like I go deposit the exact amount of money I need to do that. And then I live by cash. Um, I don't, it's just convenient. That's <laughs> just the life I live, right? Mm -hmm. And so if they're going to be eyeballing every, you know, 500, $1,000 I put in the bank, that's just specifically to pay a bill, are they going to start taxing that? And then I can't pay the bills because they're, like, I don't know. The whole thing really bothers me. Um, it's a massive invasion invasion of privacy, you know, and of course they talk, oh, we're not going to go to, um, you know, we're not going to raise taxes on working middle class and blah, blah, blah. No, but you're going to make sure all of us are paying the taxes we can't afford anyway. It's why we don't pay them. I love that I'm just openly admitting this. Like, I don't even care at this point. Come and get me. <laughs> I got nothing for you. So I, be I believe I've said something similar on the show. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, that I also I also don't pay it. And IRS, if you come get me, I am sure you'll get a couple grand that I owe. I, right. Like it's not that much. I'm uh, not hurting you. Let right. me Life. I mean, it, honestly, if you can pass a law that get, lets Jeff Bezos build a plant that makes it so that he doesn't have to pay taxes, you can pass a law for me too that I don't have to pay taxes. It's just, yep. yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> well, you know, that's my that's my political thought and my personal thought. Um, what's on my mind is I had this really wonderful customer this week, um, who also suffers from lupus, like I do. 
And for a lot of you who don't know, although I'm sure most of you do, I'm a tattoo artist. And so people like us with chronic pain issues, that can sometimes be a real challenge, but it's also something that, you know, we do to express ourselves. And so working with someone um, to do something artistic and meaningful who suffers the same disease that I do, like we just created a really special bond and I, you know, took Hody's, you know, what Hody always says about it, other people's experiences and knowing that I could share mine with her. And I don't know, we just had a really, it was a very special tattoo session and getting to connect with someone like that. And um, I, I want everybody to find a job that they love as much as I love mine. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, I love your personal story. Uh, I think a feel good moment. I think we need yeah. a lot of those making human connections. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a lot easier to, we build a lot of, I think with social media, you build a lot of small bridges, right? And, but you'll have one collapse in the explosion. Like you're like, just, whoa, like that, <laughs> that is a big deal. I think a lot of what becomes a big deal on social media, it's never these small little fun connections. It's always that big explosion. Right. Um, so when we're talking about something on social media, that's become a story. Usually it's not a good one, right? Usually it's not, look at this viral thing that everybody likes and is happy about. It's something sad or bad or poking fun or something like that. Um, and I think it's important to share connections, like stories about connections. I'm glad you found one at your job. Um, I'm in a tough one now. I have missed that a little bit because of course I had my regulars when I worked in restaurants and I have people that are regular readers of mine, but that's, again, it's back to electronic and it's not really one that we generally, they're not like, Hey, how's the fam? You know what I mean? After, right. <laughs> after being like, Hey, your guide that helped me about like the best weapon to use in outriders, you know, Hey, what's your, you know, how are the kids doing? You know, it's just not a conversation that tends to come up. Um, so it's something that I'm kind of trying to, I'm still, I'm still relatively new to the job and still kind of trying to construct a social environment there. Of course I have, you guys in a an absolutely fantastic chat behind the, behind the scenes. Yes, it is fun. So, yeah. Right, and that and but I mean, I, and I like that that chat is more than just about politics too. We talk about humor, how days are going, dad jokes, vacations, you know, dad jokes, lots of dad jokes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, love them. Um, as far as your uh, political uh, point. Um, yeah, it, it's the idea, like, and, and what's funny is like, you look this up and it's like, no, it's false. They're not going to be taxing these. And you'll check the fact check. And it's like, they're just going to look into it, is all they said. And I'm like, but that's but the why? issue. You don't get to, because it's just, it's skirting blame. Like, even according to this fact check that I'm looking at right now, this proposal bill doesn't suggest a new tax. It just opens them up to looking at it so that if they do want to tax it, they can and I'm just like, dude, like that's just that is so cowardly. It's pushing it on some other administration than to potentially do it. You create the means for which to do it, and then you want to skirt the blame and just be like, but I, I don't want to tax them. I just want to open up an investigation committee that looks at it and I'm decides just open if to they the possibility. I don't know. Right. It's the same thing with the what what what's going around this week, and I mentioned it a little in the infrastructure bill about the 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 an additional tax if you drive. X number of miles or more. 
It's not a guaranteed tax. It sets up a commission that then decides if they you deserve to be taxed based on the amount of time that you drove. So, of course, he gets to say all day, and the fact checkers get to say, we rate this claim false. It is not true. They are not in- implementing a new tax. Yeah, technically, I guess. But, like, the committee that you set up, like, do a fact check on that. You know, like, right. I, I don't... I don't like that. Um, and that to me in and of it, because we both, we all know where that's going to go, right? Like it's, it is an excuse to add a tax at some point. Um, but what that specific tax would be is a tax on the poor people who work in the city, but have to live out, you know, more rural because that's where they can afford it. So they're commuting and then they're the ones that are going to get hit with these taxes. Yeah. All taxes are taxes on the poor. and. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, um, I mean, hell, even Pataki knew that when she got mad about gas prices, right? I mean, you're talking directly, you can tax the rich, but indirectly, the burden always goes back to the poor. Uh, that, that press conference to me was bizarre because she, we so very rarely get it where they actually admit like, yes, our last expenditures have widened the gap. And made it harder for the the wages haven't kept up with the inflation. But to say that that's what's going to happen this one this time is unusual and unfair, or like whatever she said. I I know unfair. It was uh, something and unfair. I don't remember the exact term, but just yeah, that it was unfair. And I'm just like, wait. So you just think you're above it? Like this one's just different. This spending is this one's different. This one is the one that we spend a lot of money, and the wages are going to keep up this time. Right. That's every narcissist ex-boyfriend that's, I'm going to be better this time and they're still <laughs> abusing you. Like, that's that's what this is. And it yeah. always has been. <laughs> yeah. For real. For real. Uh, and Sam. It, oh, sorry. Respond yeah, to Lou uh, and then give us a piece of your mind. All right. Yeah. And it's crazy how, you know, the government's just such a leech. Like, I mean, they could just raise inflation, but they've got, you know, some special industry that they can create just to monitor to maybe tax. And then some special industry is going to get the tax money from that. So it's like, it's such a, like they are finding a way to get every single penny from you. And it's, it's kind of crazy that way uh, on the personal note. I, I think we kind of ignore, especially when COVID hit, cause everyone's like, Oh, isolation. Yeah. Let's it's no big deal. We can just isolate, stare at our computers. It's like um, social life is like paramount to health. Like you need to socialize. I mean, I, I try to eat right and exercise and all of that. I went, uh, you know, yesterday I didn't eat anything. I just drank coffee. I had like one glass of water in the morning and then I just went out like I'm a door-to-door salesman. I just went out all day and I drove, met Spike Cohen, hung out with a bunch of libertarians, drank beer, had like a Reuben, then, you know, drove home. (laughs) And today I feel great because I'm a social butterfly, you know, and I like I needed that. So it's it's just kind of weird that... um, like how low we rank socialization and how I think social media is, is, is great. And I think it helps a lot with uh, social socialization, but it's not, it's not also, it's also not complete. And I think just getting out there, meeting people and making those connections is, is very important. I I am so jealous that you got to meet Spike Cohen. You got a great picture with him, by the way, <laughs> you He's got the, a really he- good picture. I know he's uh, the only libertarian celebrity I've met so far. So 
Um, you've met us. Well, I guess not in person. Not in real, not in person. Yeah, yeah. I've interacted <laughs> with all these. People. Oh, sure. <laughs> it, was, it was fun to meet him in real life, but yeah, yeah. He he's a cool dude. I I saw him when he came to. He actually came through Utah with the Joe Jorgensen tour, and I and I oh. saw him there. And uh, people were like, "Oh, we wanted Joe Jorgensen." And I'm like, Mm-mm, "I wanted Spike. Give me the Spike." Right. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I like Joe Jorgensen, but I yeah. want the Spike. Like, Spike's yeah. prettier. No. <laughs> That's my dude. Um, Spike's one of those, like, I think he's a great barometer by like how far you've fallen off to the far right or left. Cause I think if you're too far right, you hate his guts. And if you're too far left, you hate his guts. And I feel oh. like that, like he is a great example of just like, I, I it, it's sad because it's a litmus test and I know it is, but it's like, if you don't like Spike Cohen, I'm like, odds are you're a little too far right or left for me. <laughs> For me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that Jacob. was more. I think Sasha that was more. Cohen's husband is pretty cool. That's. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna tell you, Sasha Cohen is the sweetest person in the world. Meter. I've never even met her in person, but I've gotten to talk oh, yeah. to her on the phone because when I worked on his campaign, I had you know there are a couple times I had to call, and she he was on speakerphone a couple times, and she's just so sweet and she's so funny. And she she picks on him just as hard as we all do. I love it. <laughs> I actually don't know anyone who doesn't like Spike Cohen right now. Like um, I know dur- you. during the campaign, I know that he got some criticism, but like right now, that guy is he's Mister Libertarian for like big L L P. Like he's just he seems to span across all those. Speaking of Mr. that's what I think. Um. Was I seeing an old memory, or did Larry announce again that he's running? Nope. Larry Sharp for governor of New York. Is it governor, mayor, mayor of New York? Larry Sharp, the person that introduced you and me, Lou. Right, like I'm not. <laughs> I was half asleep scrolling through my phone, and I saw something about it, but I wasn't sure if it was like somebody posting a memory from 2018. Oh, maybe. Or if this is a new announcement. Hmm, the suspense. I have to go look now. I don't know. I mean, Cuomo did so well before he got, uh, <laughs> before everything caught up with him, right? Oh, yeah. That whole thing was such a great validation for Larry Sharp. Like that whole, everything that happened with him. Oh Andrew my God, Cuomo, it was beautiful. He was everything we said he was. But that is my libertarian, like political power couple is Larry and Spike. Mm. I want to see them on everything. I want to see them on all the money. I want to see them on the sides of all the buses. Like they're going to rule the world one day and leave us all alone. It's going to be fantastic. That, that is one major perk of being a libertarian is just being able to say I was right. You know, <laughs> yeah, I love it. it's like we don't win very much. No one listens to us, but we, you know, we were right. <laughs> and, we, and we do, we are so often. I, I, uh, <laughs> I think the thing about both Larry Sharp and Spike Cohen is I would trust them to talk to anybody. Yes. With whatever their situation is. Because even I and my communication prowess, I mean, one of the reasons I write is so that I can think about more people, you know? Um, Is there, like, I I really think the thing about... um, the the thing about them is that they don't disregard they don't sacrifice one person's feelings to benefit another like if they have like an open border policy they don't go about it and saying like you close border people are idiots or you you know you people that are worried about 
cultures are changing. There's nothing to worry about. Larry is really good about just being like, no, let me talk about the issue you're talking about. I understand what you're talking about. Right. Like, yeah. and, and, you know, when you talk about stating someone's issues so that they understand it. And I think it's very, it's something that it's a libertarian lost art. I don't have it. Uh, I'm not a politician, obviously. Um, but uh, even speaking wise, I try to have it. It's something that I talk about on the show. It's not something I'm able to do as well as they do, but just to be able to talk, to relate to somebody, to everybody's issues while you're talking about something. I'm going to bring up a weird example here. Uh, Beto O'Rourke, the way he got famous was because he had this great speech about Colin Kaepernick kneeling, where he didn't treat everybody that was outraged like a bunch of dummies. But he still like, you know, and, and, and talked about their issues. It's like, I understand why you're upset when this happens. And he listed all those reasons that they're upset. And then he went on to say, like, but here's the reason, like, here's what Colin Kaepernick's going through here. And here's what people see with that. And here's why it's important that he's doing what he's doing and things need to change. And that's what actually made Beta O'Rourke famous. Now, what happened when Beta O'Rourke ran for president? I'm coming for your guns. And like, he, he couldn't find a hook and became an idiot, right? But it's funny that this is what made, this is what put him on the map was his ability to represent an issue where he took a side on, he still sided with the kneeling, but said, you're not an idiot for thinking otherwise. And I understand why you think otherwise. And let me relate to your experiences. And a lot of people forget that video. Um, I think for me, it's just, it represented such a step in like, and I'm not a beta work fan. I mean, the guy's the guy, I mean, the guy lost it on the presidential trail, even before then he had other issues, but just on that one thing, like if you're able to do that about one issue, like it means so much to people to say, okay, you disagree with me, but you really truly understand me. Cool. Like I am so cool with you. And, and that is something that, that is, that makes you, almost win elections as a Democrat in Texas, for goodness sake, you know? Um, gosh, there's somebody who put up a, uh, the Larry Spike, Justin Amash, Gary Johnson, and Chris Bangle. I think as far as four libertarians, you can't hate. There are a lot of people dislike the Gary Johnson. Uh, yeah. I'm a fan of him as people a don't like, People think Justin Amash is too weak. Um, I like him fine. Yeah, he's he's not bad. Um, I think with the mosh, my issue was all the Republican stuff, and I was worried about it. And gosh, he's been so cool since leaving the Republican Party. I was just he like, has oh, really awesome. Shed a lot of that. He did almost like day one. And I was I I I obviously I still I mean heck I nominated Vermin Supreme. I was part of that process. I love the guy. Um, but. I remember because, you know, Amash, we were thinking about him maybe running and I was glad he didn't because I was like, I still don't know if he's still that guy who's hesitant on immigration still or hesitant on gay marriage still like and I know he said a few things, but since that time, he has been so cool about it all that I'm just like, oh, nice. I would he be happy to earn his stripes and it wasn't his time for sure. He does yeah. get. Yeah, he has gotten uh, crap about not um, calling out the Democrats as much since he drop from the Republican or Republican party. So he'll, he'll criticize Republicans more and not so much the Democrats, but maybe that's just strategic. I don't know. I, think I mean, his experience, to be honest, <laughs> I could be wrong. I think it is. You talk more about the ex-boyfriend you both broke up with than, than somebody else's ex-boyfriend, right? Like, so, right. I mean, it's just that kind of thing is maybe going to happen, but I don't know. I mean, he's been, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've loved his messaging on the, I, I think vaccines, he's managed to keep it together on uh, 
and when so few guy. people like have been him. able to keep it together. Yeah. I don't know. I, it kind of hijacked the conversation, but I just saw people kind of trying to make a Mount Rushmore of like, you probably should love these libertarians, you know? And if Sorry, you yeah, I got distracted on the, you know, Mr. Libertarian topic. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to bring up Spike Cohen, it's just going to happen. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would say Spike and Larry are one and two as far as like, if you don't like these libertarians, you probably don't like libertarianism all that much. Like, it's just... Well, especially if you're a party libertarian, like those are the two main, oh, I don't know. It, it's, if you're, if you've been in the party a long time, you're probably going to like those two at for sure. Yeah. Or even well, if I'm you're not, new, I'm not even a party libertarian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad, I, I'm glad we have these folks. I think we can learn something from them. Um, I'm, I'm glad Sam that you got out and got to have a, positive social experience because those are <laughs> those are tough i i gotta say over the last couple years so i'm an introvert i don't like talking to others a lot uh, this will never be a live in-person show that we gather together together every week because i don't like wearing pants and so it's just easier to do this team um, no yeah. Pants. yeah <laughs> team no pants uh <laughs> And I, and I really am, you know, I love to communicate through writing because it's one of those that I can say what needs to be said. And then I love to read because I can read everything that you needed to say. You know, I do the podcast more so because this is this is the medium that people are using. And there is something to the live experience to be challenged on the spot and say and like watch my my hamster try to run around in the in the brain and see if I can actually keep up in a live conversation. I used to be like speech and debate. I love the structure of it. It's great for introverts. It's funny because it teaches, it fools introverts into thinking they're good at speaking, which is what it did for me. <laughs> because it's like, okay, you got 15 minutes. Nobody is going to interrupt you on the planet. You just go. And when this light hits here, the other person's going to go for 15 minutes and you don't have to worry about saying a thing. In fact, you get in trouble if you say something. So I'm like, oh, this is perfect. This is, this is great. This is the model for why. And I'm thinking like, can we all just wear like lights on like our shirts that like go from red to yellow to green. So oh my green, God. you can talk now, you know, red, I'm still talking, you know, I mean, just, I love it. <laughs> but I have a little timer there to be like, okay, I'm going to, here we go. Okay. It says three minutes there. Okay. Got three minutes. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, it's so, uh, the, re the way I'm going with this is as, as I stop humoring myself, uh, the, the way I'm going with this is during during the pandemic, I, I kind of looked into the psychology of being at home a lot. And because for me, I was fine. I'm I wanted to be at home. You make me stay at home. Oh, no, I can't go to the <laughs> restaurant every day. Oh, no, whatever. Like, oh, you're going to pay me to stay at home. Oh, OK. All right. I'll do that, too. Right. Like this is this is great. But for so many of my coworkers who were not faking it like I was, they're socialites and they 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 didn't want the money. They want the social interaction. They want to be able to get out. They want to go to their job. They even want to complain about hating their job. They want <laughs> like they like that. And then they like going out afterwards and drinking together and having fun. And when that got taken from them, I, I looked at the psychology and they talk about how this is a refueling mechanism for introverts and extroverts. And as an introvert, it's that time you spend alone when you're gathering energy. Right now I'm talking to people, so I'm expending energy. And that's all right. I have two hours of energy to expend once a week, right? You guys are seeing it right now. This is what I do with it. This is my, so this is the extent of my socialization, 
right? Like even my like editors and managers and stuff that I have now that write, they send me messages. I don't have to worry about on the point interaction, everything like that. Like it's, it's perfect, right? So this is the expenditure of my energy and this is what I have and this is what I choose to spend it on. And if I, if you're an extrovert, you gain energy by being in those social settings. So when they force you to stay at home, there's something really sinister there because it would be the equivalent of me being forced to socialize for 100% of the time. I would not be mentally okay. Like I, I, I would not be... And I don't mean this in like a funny way. Like this is, and I know it's appropriate to laugh because I would get goofy, right? But like, I probably would start to contemplate things like suicide and depression and self-harm. And and I would certainly pick up bad habits. You know, hey, can I stuff my face and eat more so that I can talk less? Can I, you know, can I de develop these quirks to kind of have phony conversations so that I can try to have some semblance of holding things together? And then you like, that's what extroverts have been going through. Like during, during the pandemic, God bless every one of them that survived. I don't know if I would have like, it just, I think for me, my introversion is so important. It was like, and I'm aware at a restaurant, I had to be a little extroverted to work, but when it was over, it was over. I went home. Mm -hmm. When you're at home and you can't go out, there's no over. Your bar's not open. Your party's not open. You're not allowed to have your wedding. You're not allowed to have your birthday. You're not allowed to have your honeymoon. We had a cruise get canceled. I'm mad about that, right? Like all these things. No, you're not allowed to do any of those things. I, I don't know, man. Like I think for me, it created a whole, it created a lot of empathy in me because I think realizing that psychologically, I'm like, oh, big deal. You get to stay at home and you know make money. And for me, I didn't realize until like I did a little psychological studying that it's like, that's the equivalent of asking me to go out in public a hundred percent of the time. Whew, that's rough. <laughs> that's rough. I can totally relate. I, yeah, I have to recharge, you know, I working in a tattoo all shop all week. I'm obviously, you know, there's a lot of interacting and socialization happening and I do enjoy it, but like I can only take so much of it before it drains me. And that's partly why we didn't have a show last week because <laughs> I got home and slept because I needed to recharge. Um, but yeah, I couldn't imagine being an extrovert and having to deal with all of the, the weight that comes with a pandemic and quarantine. I, yeah, I agree. It was heaven for me staying home and I didn't wear pants for like eight months. It was fantastic. Oh, I hated it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty extroverted. And uh, one of the reasons I moved, uh, I, I was really excited about moving back to Albert Lee. I used to live in Austin, Minnesota, and I moved back to Albert Lee, Minnesota, was the interchange, which was uh, where all my friends would hang out. It was a coffee shop, and then they had a restaurant at night and served alcohol and all that and live music. It was, it was I used to work there. It was a big deal for me. I was like, I could just walk there. And so I, I would, I would just walk there. I'd take my kids there on, we'd go scooter over there. And uh, so then they actually tried to fight the lockdowns and they got shut down and they don't exist anymore. But it, it was just one of those things. It's like, now I'm in Albert Lee and why am I in Albert Lee? I don't, well, I, I've lost a lot of reason for being here. Yeah. And I mean, 
Yeah. And, you know, as an extrovert too, like I need to recharge and all of that. And it, I do see like a lot of advantages to the whole lockdown thing. Cause a lot of people, there's, there's a lot of structures that needed to be broken for like making people go into work and uh, meetings that could have been emails and all of that. But then we also lost a lot of stuff with, uh, you know, just, just getting rid of things that, well, even like shutting down gyms was just the dumbest thing ever. Like you, you're shutting down a way for people to be healthy. I mean, it's insane. Sure. I mean, they shut down the ocean. You weren't allowed to surf. No ocean. Right. They shut down the ocean. I mean, there's well, not a lot. Like, you're not God. You can't close the ocean. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I'm sorry, Sam. Like I, I, I kind of brought that up as just a sympathies for you, man. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, it seems like at least things are through. I'm sorry. You're in a situation now where you, you're not where you were before and that's not fair to you. Right. You know, like, yeah. but I mean, I mean, you're, you're a chipper guy, but like, it makes a big deal. I mean, if I had to change my life around, I, I would be well, less charitable than you are. About. Right. <laughs> well, this helps, you know, when you get to come on and I hope this right. helps a little bit. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I'm, I'm not depressed or anything. I do door to door sales. So I talk to people every day. Like <laughs> that's what, I, and I enjoy it a lot. Uh, but I, I you you're you do a bang up job. I automatically I always want to buy what you're selling and you're just selling ideas. <laughs> and well, I, they don't even cost me anything. I just like, oh, okay. Yeah. And you talked about the Berlin Wall, and I'm just like, yeah, I want to buy into getting rid of the Berlin Wall. Oh, it's gone. Oh. Well, I, so free? Okay, fantastic. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know what? I want to end on one thing real quick because Corey, I assume. Hi, Corey. He's a little bit late to the conversation, but he's probably seeing the title here and he's asking on YouTube, what is the official libertarian viewpoint on immigration? You guys think you can summarize that real quick? Lou, what's the official libertarian viewpoint on immigration? Open borders. <laughs> I mean, I, that's a very broadly summarized uh, perspective. So officially, and what was it, 2018? 20, I don't even remember what year it was um, where we actually passed a resolution at convention um, to formally declare the party as an open borders party. Um, we believe that, you know, the boundaries are imaginary lines that people should be free to come and go and participate in society. Same. So I, I would say, I mean, Party aside, a small L libertarian, it's a big umbrella. So it covers a whole lot of different, it covers different perspectives. Um, my, as an ANCAP, obviously I believe in, you know, private borders. There shouldn't be any, we shouldn't have a state, so we shouldn't have borders. The state shouldn't control the borders in that sense. It should all be privatized. So I think there's a lot of talking past each other when it comes to or open borders versus private borders. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you can be for, it's it's a matter of scale a lot of times. Um, so it's like ending the police. There are some libertarians who don't believe we should just immediately end the police without doing anything else. And it, they think we should scale down this thing before this thing. I, I don't agree with that. I think we should just end the police. But I understand kind of that perspective. So there's a lot of perspectives under it. But at the end of the day, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, we should control, less control, less on one side, you have smaller government, so that means less border control, even if it doesn't mean completely eliminating it. And on the 
the more ANCAP side, it means getting rid of borders completely and except for private borders. I like that I got the, from between you two, I got, I, we covered the whole thing. We got the big L <laughs> position, the official Libertarian Party position on borders. And then we got the small L, like kind of the mindset of Libertarians on borders and, and where it's at. Uh, I think they answered the question rather well. Oh, Corey says, cool, 100% oh, fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's here. I'm glad you got to hear this. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Corey. Uh, I'm glad you definitely go listening. back and check out the beginning of the show where we talk a little more specifically about Yep. current events and immigration sorry go ahead <laughs> yep no you're good uh my buddy ryan reinhold um we talked with him i actually talked with him last week on the we're libertarians podcast i was on the main show standing for chris bangle uh boy that guy's busy moving get married all kinds of fun stuff happening in his life unfortunately it just means he needs to share his life better with the with the likes of us um but uh you know, he, he wanted to bring up a couple of things. One, most people don't understand what open borders means. You travel through open borders all the time. You go through a county border, a state border, uh, I mean, property borders all the time that we just say like, hey, we've agreed. I mean, and I'm with Sam as far as wanting an ANCAP society. I myself subscribe to that particular ideology. But that does mean like you might have some areas that you choose to share as a community you know, and be like, Hey, I just passed the border. I went through the border that you can't, you can't go in my house with a border that all of us are cool to go in like the sidewalk. We just choose to share the sidewalk. Right. Or something like, even if I'm responsible for the street or the sidewalk in front of my house or, and maintaining it, I'm still like, I do it so that everybody else can pass through because I want traffic past my house and through my house. So we have these different borders, even in our personal lives. I mean, heck in psychology, you have different borders when people are allowed to cross and not cross. So this kind of makes sense as, and, and it really makes sense from the private sense when we establish this to real life, there's certain borders you can cross certain borders you can't cross. I can't just bust into my neighbor's bedroom much as I would love to, uh, because, <laughs> cause I'm just kinky like that. Uh, but, but you know, I can't do that cause that's their, their private one. That's the private border. You know, that's, that's their border. However, do I feel bad walking on their sidewalk? No, you know, that's a, that's kind of a, an area that we've agreed to share. It obviously gets really complex when we talk about areas of like transportation um, and, and there's little nuances, things to work out. I'm okay with like a slow, like, like making it better. I think one of the problems that libertarians have, and this is one of the problems I had as a Republican that lead me, led to me leaving was I was like, I'm cool to compromise on like the debt. I'm not saying we have to put it on this like expedited payment plan. I just want to pay it off a little bit every year. Nobody's okay with paying it off. Like it's just not getting paid off. Everybody's either paying it off not at all or super not at all. Like it's just, it, and so what it is, is it's kind of one of those, it's like, it's hard to imagine the compromise. Because I think what I hear from a lot of libertarians is maybe one step in between open borders and closed borders is like an Ellis Island. People show up to Ellis Island, they get you situated, they check and make sure you don't, you know, you aren't wanted in Siberia for blowing up a building. They do that no matter, I, I think the average processing time was something like two and a half to four hours or something. And then they get you through. Right. And uh, I think I, I actually read something that like 80% of white people can trace their lineage through back to Ellis Island. It was something, it was a yeah. wild statistic. It's a big one, but um, 
And so I, I would be okay with that as a compromise. The problem is, is like, nobody's proposing that compromise. It's like how much it like, we like the only people to vote for is who does worse, but the least, the less worst on borders. And so like that's the libertarian standpoint, my, the co-host did a great job. Sam and Lou summarized it exactly. We oppose borders. That's our destination. I accept that some libertarians might say like, I find that this is a step in the direction to the open borders that we crave. While others might say, you know, no, that's a step further back. And so then we'll still bicker about the nature of borders. But ultimately, the only libertarian position is borders, as Murray Rothbard pointed out, and as Reinhardt pointed out that Murray Rothbard pointed out, in order to believe that a country <laughs> exists, the country control, control borders requires you to admit that the country is the ultimate power of all property in the United States. And that is how it goes. We do not recognize that. They have no sovereignty over freedom, people's freedom of movement, so long as they don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. As long as they are not hurting people and not taking their stuff, they are free to do it. There is way more than enough land on the planet. We're not even remotely close to not to running out of land for people to live on. It's just it, it, that that is just one of those dreams that people kind of have. I think can't we fit? It's something like we could fit everybody in an apartment in like Tokyo if we packed in like in the same density. Oh no, it's if we packed in at the same density of Tokyo, we would take up the landmass of New Zealand. I think is what it is. Something uh, like that. Yeah. 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 So like there's there's space to go. Uh, the government owns a lot of it, which is why you can't cross them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Henry George is a totally different argument there, Jacob, but I, I love that you brought it up. Uh, I would, I would love really to talk about that sometime. No. <laughs> sometime, sometime. Yeah. Go ahead, Sam. Uh, well, and that's the other thing too, with like, uh, jobs and all of that, like, um, once, well, so with population, once the population gets to a certain extent, people start having less kids, especially when they start getting richer. Um, it's the same with like migration. Once you know, if there's a bunch of jobs available, then yeah, a bunch of people are going to immigrate. But if the jobs diminish, then they won't. So like, I think it was like in 2008, more Mexicans, um, but like 2009 to 2014, more Mexicans actually moved to Mexico than moved to the United States. So I mean, it once the market fills up or something like that, then they're just going to go back. Right. You let the people create an equilibrium. You choose, so, they go, they're needed. And there's like this Republican mindset of like, just like they have like videos of like people just climbing over each other. Like, this is what would happen if we opened up the border, like, and then just show like millions of people just running. And it's like, it's not how it would be, you know, like Look, they, I'm here for the Mad Max life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So in your world, Lou, if people are crawling all over each other to get here, even better. That's fantastic. Yes. Right. Yeah. I kind of agree too. There's that inscription by uh, Emma Lazarus on the Statue of Liberty. And I, I've always loved it. The new Colossus just saying like, we want your tired. We want your poor. We want this to be a place where you make a name for yourself. You know, like I just, and, and for me, that is the dream. And you can use all kinds of economic excuses for why that's not what's happening right now, but ultimately controlling the borders takes me further away from that place than that place I want to be to. We would need to do a lot more than just change borders to make this a great country. I'm not a one issue libertarian. <laughs> There's a lot of things we need to do, right? But that is part of the process. And uh, I'm glad you all agreed with me. I, I, I appreciate that. We do have some kind of heated debates on this show, um, but I'm glad this didn't turn into a, a nuclear bomb debate all over again. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, you know, I, I think Sam, you come at it the same way I do is from a very traditional uh, capitalist viewpoint. And that like, it, it's very, cause, cause there's a lot of capitalist economists that write about this stuff. And I think that I come at it from very much the same way of just being like cause and effect market values movement of people is like page. I mean, it, you would be surprised read anything by Hayek Mises or Adam Smith and look at how early the free and voluntary movement of people is in their writings about capitalism. I mean, it's chapter one or two for all of them. And it's just, it's such like a, this is important. If people can't move this whole thing's out the window, right? Like it's required. And I think that I really get there. It's funny because I think they call you a socialist a lot for believing in open borders. Lou, I, I'm sure you're more familiar with that experience than even most. But yeah, <laughs> a common socialist. Right. <laughs> but for me, I'm just like, dude, this is like not, not I don't even say like capitalism 101. You could drop out after week one, capitalism 101. And you would understand that open borders is an important part of the philosophy. Um, yeah, Sam, yeah, go ahead. The free flow of labor. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's the same thing with like tariffs and all of that. You know, we're gonna keep away. We're gonna keep out all these good things, instead of just allowing the market to expand and uh, grow. I. Uh... <laughs> the only legitimate borders are the ones around Brian's apples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian. I love uh, Sam. Thank you so much for filling in for Brian this week. Uh, this was a good. This was a good show. I appreciate you both coming on. I know this uh, gobbles up everybody day, everybody's day. Lou, you and I are going to go get back to recharging. Sam, you're going to have to find another party to hit up uh, yeah. <laughs> after this. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, it's really bedtime. <laughs> yeah, I I really I really do appreciate you both taking the time out. Everybody who's viewing, really appreciate it. The show is growing faster than ever before. I. I I know I say it every week, but it keeps being true every week. So I'm going to keep saying it every week. I'm super excited about the direction we're going. People are hungry for these kind of conversations and, you know, excited to hear from where left, right, and center libertarians stand on these issues, including issues like immigration. This just happens to be one, whether you're a LibSoc or an ANCAP, you're open borders. And so that's just the way it is. But I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Everybody take care. Have a good night.